0: So glad that you're here. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 15. We have been in a series of messages that we have called Coming Home. And uh, we've been taking kind of a look at the story of the parable of the prodigal son, which is in Luke chapter 15. And uh, if you're new here with us today, we're so glad that you're here. Maybe somebody invited you um, to be with us in the room or to join us online. And uh, we're really glad that you are here. Please know that not only are you welcome here, Um, but we have prayed for this service and uh, we've prayed for you and are just excited about what God's gonna do through his word here today. Um, If you're not familiar with the story, we'll, we'll get into it here in just a moment, but it's a story about a father who has two sons, kind of the journey that they go on, and one of the ones we refer to in this story as being prodigal. So if you hear that word prodigal, the idea behind it is someone who is far from home, Uh, We'll also use the word maybe that they're lost. There's a distance that's there. Sometimes we'll use that in a geographic sense, in a relational sense. We're really looking at it in a spiritual sense in this story. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, what's interesting, though, is that in this passage of Scripture, there's not just one story in Luke chapter 15. There's three And so for you to understand why Jesus tells the story that takes up the most real estate, right, the parable of the prodigal son, to understand that story, we also got to go back and understand why he tells the first two. So Luke chapter 15, three stories. He starts the whole thing in this way. Luke chapter 15, verse one, he says, now the tax collectors and sinners, let's just push the pause button right there for just a minute. Tax collectors and sinners, and sinners, these would be the people who were on the outside of the religious circle, right? So if we're talking about religious prodigals, that's who these people would be. They were far from where other people thought they might should be. So the tax collectors and the sinners, they're on the outside, they were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, those would be the religious people on the inside, they, uh, they muttered, isn't it always good when you see the word mutter, you know, that's a, <laughs> they muttered, this man welcomes sinners, and eats with them. So do you feel the tension? You got the insiders, you got the outsiders, and when they're coming together, there's this tension, and in the midst of it, Luke chapter 15, this part of the gospel story of Jesus, he tells three stories you can't understand the last one fully, the parable of the prodigal son, unless you also understand why he tells the first two. The last one's just a conclusion. That's where he's bringing it in. But he's building a case as he tells the other two. So today we're going to look at all three. Today is story time with Jesus and Chad. How do you like that? That's what we're going to do. We're going to look at all three of them today as we do this. Why? Because to understand the big one at the end, you've got to first understand the first two that he tells. Because there's a message he wants to get across in this chapter. Now, here's the thing. It may be that you're watching this. It may be that you're even sitting in this room, and you're saying to yourself, I wonder if I'm far from home. Like, I wonder if maybe I'm a prodigal. Maybe there's this distance between you and God. And there's some things that are good for maybe you to hear in the stories that Jesus tells Or there's a good chance that some of you have someone in your life, someone you love, who you would say, yeah, I I just, I can't help but wonder if they're not far from home. Jesus tells these stories for a reason. Here's what I want you to see. Three things that Jesus wants the prodigal to know. The reason he tells this story to both the insiders and the outsiders, actually many of whom on either side who are prodigals, true? (laughs) He tells this story to them because there's three things here that Jesus wants the prodigal to know. So let's take a look at these three stories. We'll start with the first one that he tells at the beginning of Luke 15. And there's something he wants you to know in this one. Number one, Jesus wants the prodigal to know that your father is searching for you. Number one, your father is searching for you. Here's the story he tells. Luke chapter 15, verse three. Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. So the first story Jesus tells, he very clearly tells it from the perspective of a shepherd. Now this is something that we're not familiar with. There's not many shepherds here in Northwest Ohio today, right? It's not too many of us. But in the first century, they, they would very much know what he was talking about. This would be a part of their kinda everyday dynamic. Not that everybody was a shepherd, but everybody probably knew one. They knew how it worked in that culture. And so he paints it in the picture of a shepherd in that time. And the first question you gotta ask is, well, why, why did the sheep wander off? Why do sheep wander off? Let me ask you this question. Why do you wander off? I think all of us have probably been in the grocery store with somebody, and all of a sudden, you don't know where the other person is, right? Why? Because you are there in the cookie aisle just waiting for the Spirit to speak to you, and they keep moving. And you're like, well, where did Rhonda, I mean, where did that other person go, right? While you're there going, I have a cookie anointing on my life right now. And what happens is, we wander off because something gets our attention. We're just a little curious. Maybe we're looking for community. We get distracted in some way. Something pulls us aside, and we find ourselves kind of separated from where we're supposed to be. We can be real critical of the lost sheep, but let's be honest, all we like sheep have gone astray. Isn't that true? (laughs) Like, so this sheep, for whatever reason, wanders off. Now, a hundred was probably just a round number that Jesus threw out there. But to say that he had a hundred sheep would mean that he was probably a pretty successful shepherd. He kind of had a, a mid-sized business that he was running there. And so he had these hundred sheep, kind of a common number of, of, of sheep that a shepherd might have that's successful in that time. And he recognizes that one of them is missing and so then this part always bugs me because it says he leaves the 99 out there and goes looking for the one. Why well, just do the math real quick? That seems kind of negligent, doesn't it? But again, we don't fully understand the context. If you understand that day and that culture, he didn't just say, hey guys, I'm gonna leave you here at home alone. If anybody needs anything, call me. I'm gonna go look for Buddy, okay? He probably had another shepherd kind of an under shepherd or an assistant that would help. Maybe even it was the kind of deal where he he knew that they were somewhere safe so he could leave them. But he did not abandon the 99. But let's not miss the point of the story. He also didn't abandon the one. And he goes after the one that's missing, the one that's lost. And Jesus paints a picture here of a shepherd very deliberately Because when they heard a shepherd, they thought of security, they thought of confidence, they thought of safety, they thought of nurture and care. And Jesus is saying to them, your father searches for you. Why does he make this such a big deal? Because he wants them to know your father wants a relationship with you. Whether you feel like you're on the inside or the outside, God is looking for you. He's searching for you, not because you're just one of a number, because he really wants a relationship with you. If you were just a number, you could be replaced. No, he wants to know where you're at. He wants to know you're safe. He wants to find you in that place. He wants a relationship with you. And maybe if we think about that a little bit, here's what's good for you to know. He he doesn't want your past relationship. Like some of you may have a relationship back here in your story or your timeline with God. And you think, well, maybe I gotta go back to that place. I-, I gotta go exactly back to how those things were. And maybe when you think about going back, there's some dysfunction. Maybe there's some issues. And there's some things you're like, I- I- how, do- how do I get back to that place? He doesn't want your past relationship. And can I tell you, he also doesn't want your parents' relationship. Sometimes our relationship with God isn't so much one that we've had, but we base it on our parents or our family or the tradition we came from, and we think that that's where our relationship is found. And Jesus is very clearly saying to these folks, I don't want your past relationship, I don't want your parents' relationship, I want a present relationship with you. Right now, in this moment, for you to be connected with God, and it's not just a present one, it's a personal one. That you have your very own connection, relationship, time with God, that you know that your Father loves you, that he has a a plan for your life, that there's something that he wants to do in and through your heart. That's what he wants for us. Your Father wants a relationship with you. This isn't the only place in the Gospels where Jesus tells the story about shepherd and sheep. In fact, he does it quite often. And if you go to John chapter 10, kind of the whole theme of the first part of that chapter for sure is all about the shepherd. And one of the things when he talks about the shepherd is that the shepherd is not the only one out there. He also says that you have an enemy he refers to as the thief. Have you ever heard this before? And he says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. So if you are a sheep, it's good for you to know not only does your father want a relationship with you, but the enemy wants to deceive you. He wants you to think that where you wander off to is the better place for you. That where you wander off to is is where you'll be better off to. He wants you to buy into the deception that he brings. And oftentimes part of the deception is to get you to think that God doesn't care or that God doesn't matter or that you don't really need him. And the reality is when that deception comes from the devil, you will also find plenty of places that will affirm it. Sometimes your mind will say, this is the better place for me. Sometimes culture will say, hey, you're in the better place. Now, that People won't be there necessarily to back you up in the end when the consequences come through. But God wants you to know that there is an enemy. There is a thief. He steals and kills and destroys, and he wants you to be deceived. Don't let your deception determine your direction. When the enemy tries to pull you aside and get you disoriented, that's a tricky thing. And it's hard when you're far from home because when you're far from home, you can get disoriented real quick and you can make some bad decisions and think some weird stuff. H- have, you ever, have you ever been in a place, maybe you're staying in a hotel and you wake up and you don't know where you are? Anybody? Do you know what I mean? Like that's kind of a common thing. I- I've, sh- I've shared before that back in September, Ron and I had the privilege to go and visit our son who lives overseas, and he lives kind of in a very kind of simple third world context, and so we stayed right in his apartment with him uh, the week that we were there, which was really cool, it was super special, but it also meant we, we were like living kind of just the same way that he lives, so that meant daily power outages, and just times when you're going, boy, I hope, I hope we get water again, you know, and thinking through some of these things that we just kind of take for granted on a daily basis. We don't even think about when we flip the switch, are we gonna have lights or not? But, but there it was like kind of here, here's hope and the powers, you know, back on. You want the power on because you want the fan to run because when it's somewhere between 90 and 100 degrees, you want the fan to run when you don't have air conditioning. Can I get an amen, right, right? So we just talked to him yesterday. Hey, what's the weather like? He says, oh, it's 105 today. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't mind 55 today, right, at that point. Right, it's kind of the thought process. So we're there. One night we were going to bed, and, uh, and, and we were just kind of getting everything ready, you know, and you want the fan to be in the right spot because it was like, what, mid-90s or something like that. And uh, isn't it fun to sleep in the mid-90s? So, so we're in the middle of this, and all of a sudden, power goes out. Like, oh, man, it is going to be a long night. It's going to be hot. And, you know, so eventually fall asleep, and in the middle of the night, the power comes back on, which is great, except for the fact that now all the lights that were on when you went to bed and you forgot to turn them off when the power went on, all the lights come back on. You ever had that happen? You know, lights come back on. You're like, oh, wakes you up. And, and I'm just kind of, you know, I'm disoriented. So first you're like, where am I? What, what is going on? And then the lights are all on, blaring in my face. And I'm like, I don't want to get out of this bed, but I'm going to have to turn these lights off. So they're they're all asleep. So I'm like, all right. So I get up and I start wandering around. I don't even know that I put my, my glasses on. I just kind of started doing this thing, right? You're not quite sure, but you're turning the lights off, and I hear this whirring sound. And I'm like, I don't I don't remember that sound. That's weird. And the only thing I can figure is that his blender is running in the kitchen. He's he's he does not have a blender. In the desert. He doesn't have a blender. And so, but I hear this. Zzzz. So I go in the kitchen and I'm literally, like, I'm literally just kind of walking around like this, looking all over the counter, trying to figure out what is that noise and what's going on. And I can't find anything. And poor kid, the motor's gonna burn out in his blender. Like, I got all these thoughts going on in my head. I finally go back out of the kitchen into the living room and I realize that's not a blender. The fan came back on. And I hear the fan. I have no idea what's going on. I'm totally disoriented, and I've been thrown off when, when, when I saw the light. Now look, the same thing happens to all of us. When we find ourselves far from home, we get in a place where we hear things we don't quite understand, we're in a place we don't know where we are, and sometimes the thing that really throws us off is actually when we see the light. <laughs> when we like, realize where we are, now what do we do? How do I deal with this? What do I do in this place? I talked recently to someone who just said to me, look, I just gotta be honest with you, (laughs) I'm the prodigal. Like in my family, in my life, I'm far from home. And I know for sure that God is calling me back home. But how can I ever come home? Like what I've done, The things I've said, the way I treated my family, like it's good for you to preach this and I know that God loves me, but how can I ever come home? And some of you are asking that same question. You're saying where I'm at, how can I ever come home? You kind of feel like me in the middle of the night when the light comes on and you're disoriented and you're far from home. You're I don't know what to do when I'm in this place. It's not too far off from a sheep. Again, we don't know the whole story there, but they would have been familiar with this. If you've got one sheep by itself, when it comes to its senses and realize where it's at, it gets agitated, it gets fearful, it gets scared, and it gets real nervous, and it just kind of does not respond well to the fact that it's out there by itself, and it's gonna kind of start to freak out. Anybody ever started to freak out? You ever seen a cat in a corner and how they get real fearful? So that's the same kind of idea. When this shepherd goes to get this sheep this sheep is not just gonna go, oh, cool, let's walk home. It's so agitated that that shepherd has to go to desperate measures and is gonna have to pick up that sheep and carry it because it's too frantic to make its way home by itself. In fact, usually if the sheep is that messed up, the shepherd has to pick it up and put it over his shoulders and carry it home in that way. And to my friend who says, How can I ever come home? After what I've done, after what I said, after the way I lived, when you come to your senses and you kind of start to freak out and say, How can I ever come home? You know what Jesus says? Let me shoulder that. Let me carry that. We'll do this together. You don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to have all the answers. That's why you're the sheep and I'm the shepherd. Why don't you put that on my shoulders? Let me carry you, because your father's searching for you and just wants to help you come home. Does this really matter, Chad? Or is this just one of those quick little stories that Jesus tells? I think it matters, because at the end of the story, he says this, Luke chapter 15 verse seven. This is is after the first story. We're only one story in, Tom. This is after the first story. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. He says, look, heaven goes crazy when the sheep comes home. He says, here's what I want you to know. Your father is searching for you. Which takes us to the second thing that he wants you to know in this story. Second thing, Jesus wants the prodigal to know number two, you have great value to your father. Number two, you have great value to your father. Let me tell you another story from the last couple of weeks. Our family had some adventures the last couple of weeks, and what that means is that I get more sermon stories. Isn't that good? This is good. So, so we were in Chicago. I told the story a couple of weeks ago. We were in Chicago, and uh, we had a day where we were just kind of hanging out as a family, and so we were, like, taking in the whole big city, which is a blast to do until it starts pouring rain. True? <laughs> so, like, all of a sudden, heaven's open. Just, it's just raining. And we're like, we got we to duck in the store. So we duck in this department store, and we get in there and we're walking in and we're, we're, we're going in like drowned rats. You know. We're just soaking wet and we're just kind of walking in trying to get dry. And this guy comes walking in right behind us. And I catch him out of the corner of my eye, kind of a young guy. You can tell he's on a mission. He is wearing a sharp cut suit. You can tell he just sold stocks and bought bonds like just moments before he stepped in there. Like he just, he comes walking in that door and he walks straight up to the, per- they had like a greeter. They had like a, you know, like a person that was greeting people as you come in, uh, uh, as you're walking in the store kind of thing and he walks right up to him and he's, oh man. James, did I leave an umbrella over there? There's no umbrella. Because I wanted to show, the story is better with an, a visual aid. <laughs> this is embarrassing. Zeke, did I, did I leave that up there in the booth? Because I changed out my batteries. I thought I brought it down here. Okay. I don't want to tell a story without it. Uh, This is bad. (laughs) Can you look? There's no umbrella up there, Zeke? There's none there. So I grabbed it and I walked down this. What's that? Seriously, is it there? Did I leave it there? I left it there. You'll grab it? Okay. (laughs) Sir, what is your name? Jim? Joe. Okay. After service, James is going to give you a $50 bill and, uh, yeah, I don't have any money. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks. (laughs) Well, that kind of wrecks the story, doesn't it? Um, so anyways, the guy walks in and he, he like walks straight up to the person that's there and he just looks at them and goes, does this store sell umbrellas? Like the first thing the guy says. Because he didn't think of the umbrella when he left his house. He didn't think of it the day before. But once it started pouring rain, did an umbrella have value to him? He needed it. He was searching for it. He wanted it. This, this is now a wasted prop after me forgetting it. Except I do look quite dapper, don't I, when you stand here like this with that thing? But do you get the point? <laughs> when you're looking for something and you can't find it, it takes on great value. Like that's, that's the point of this story. Look at the, the second story that Jesus tells. Luke chapter 15, verse eight. Here's the second story that Jesus tells. Or, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Boy, did you see the way he shifted that? He went from the wealthy shepherd and makes a total cultural shift. We'll see this even more as we read it. to to a woman, which would be a very different cultural shift that he's making in that day and time. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Jesus paints a totally different picture here from the wealthy shepherd to what we're gonna see here as you kind of unpack this story, an impoverished widow, who now looks and says, I'm searching for this. And this thing all of a sudden has even greater value. If you have 100 sheep and you lose one, you have lost what percentage of your wealth? 1%. But if you have 10 coins and you lose one, you have now lost 10%. And that's a big deal, because most likely those coins represent her family's wealth. Like that's their life savings. And odds are, she's, she's probably a widow. This is probably all that she has. The reason it says she lights a lamp is because she probably lives in this house that is just a door, no windows. So she's gonna have to light a lamp. The reason it says that she sweeps the floor is not just because she's a clean freak, but because it probably has a basic stone floor. And as she would sweep the floor, she would listen to see if she could hear that coin clinking into the cracks on that floor. Like she is desperate. She is dialed in and she has one thought in mind. I've gotta find that thing that has so much value to me. When Jesus paints this picture, it's not just a simple story. Most of the people that he's telling it to can relate, because losing something of that value would be their worst nightmare. And Jesus wants them to know that in the same way that you would search for that coin, You have so much value. You are not just a number. You're not just somebody else to your father. He searches for you because you have incredible value to him. Why does that matter? Because if you don't remember that God values you, it's easy to stop valuing God. Like if at some point you forget that you matter so much to him, then you stop caring about whether he matters to you or not. And you just make whatever choices you want to make. And you just go after whatever you think is going to satisfy or meet your needs or just just give you that cheap substitute or that quick fix. Because what happens is if you forget how much you mean to God, then it's easy to kind of push God out of your life. But the reality is you mean so much to him. You have great value to him so much so that he would go to desperate measures to look for you. If you don't remember that God values you, it's easy to stop valuing God. And let me remind you, if you don't remember that God values you, it's easy to stop valuing yourself. If we forget that we've been created by God, that he made each and every one of us with purpose and with meaning, that he loves you, he's crazy about you, what happens is when I push that out of my mind, then I start to think less of myself, and then I'll make decisions and choices based on trying to fill something in my life, a void that will never be filled except with understanding how much God loves and cares for me. Knowing this idea that you are valued by him, the satisfaction only comes in knowing him. It's so good to remember how much God loves us and to see the picture that's painted here of searching for something that is lost and the value that's there. Have you ever lost something and then you frantically look for it? Raise your hand if you've ever done it. Most of you can raise your hand because you just did it a moment ago. When this dude forgot his umbrella and lost it, you all started searching for it. Like you looked all over this room looking for the umbrella. There were a couple people over there that I thought were just, they were gonna lose their voice yelling at me, it's over there! over there which is exactly what i wanted you to do when i hid that umbrella up there in between services i wanted you to know that feeling again of what it's like to look for something that is lost let me take a break for a moment and maybe just talk to those of us that are calvary people do you know why you looked for that umbrella because in that moment you said Well, I care about Chad, and Chad's looking for his umbrella, so I'll help him look for something that matters to him. True? Well, some of you are like, well, he's just a dope that can't find his stuff, so I'll help. I know, but there are some of you that actually have a good heart, and you're like, right? right?" (laughs) Here's the deal. Does every lost person matter to God? You can do better than that. (laughs) Does every lost person matter to God? So should we value them as well, too? and help him find everyone who's lost in our world and in our lives. He's looking for all the little umbrellas because every one of them matters to him. If you wonder if God cares about you, if you feel like you're in a place where you're lost, know that your father is searching for you because you have great value. Really? Because it seems like just a quick little story Jesus tells. Well, here's how he concludes it. Again, uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 10. This is just the end of the second story. We're just at the end of the second story. Luke chapter 15, verse 10. He says, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What heaven goes crazy over is when the lost is found when they recognize their father is looking for them, the value that he places on them, and when someone chooses to come home. So three things that Jesus wants the prodigal to know. This is why he tells these stories, right? And it's building up. The first story he tells because he wants you to know, your father's searching for you. The second story he tells because he's saying to them, you have great value to him. And the third story he tells, when he gets to the third one, now he's bringing it to conclusion. Here's what he wants you to know. If you are far, if you are lost, number three, you can come home you can come home. This is the whole point of the stories. He tells the story of the lost sheep, he tells the story of the lost coin, and now he tells the story of the lost son. And if you weren't with us the last few weeks or maybe you don't know this story, it's about three people that are characters in it. There's a father and two sons, and the younger son says to the dad, dad, I don't wanna live like this anymore. I wanna live like I want to. So why don't you give me my inheritance, and I'm gonna go off and do what I wanna do. And so he cashes out of the family inheritance, takes that money, goes off to what they call a distant country, a far place, the big city, and he lives it up. He spends that money recklessly, he spends it immorally, he has a great time with his friends and spending that cash until he runs out of cash and friends. And then when times get hard, he finds himself, the only job he can get is feeding sheep, Not sheep, pigs. Feeding sheep wouldn't be that bad. Pigs is another story, especially if you're Jewish. And he finds himself feeding pigs. He's at rock bottom. He realizes things can't get much worse than this. And he says this, Luke chapter 15, verse 17. And I love this. This is the hinge the whole story turns on. When he came to his senses... There was like a light that came on. It was a wake-up call. Wasn't daylight savings change? He didn't get an extra hour of sleep. It was like when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son, Make me like one of your hired servants. And here's where everything changes. So he got up and went to his father. There was this moment where a light went on for him, and he realized, I can come home. It was almost like just, just he had this moment where he just understood that there was more than where he was at, and that he could go home. Told a story last week about the the lady that got lost in Iceland. Does anybody remember that story we we talked about last week? I read another one that just happened recently about a guy in Turkey who had been out with some of his friends and probably did a little more drinking than he should have. And so when it was time to go home, he instead decided that he would go out and just kind of wander around the woods for a while. So while he's out wandering around in the woods... His wife realizes that he hasn't come home, they start to get worried. She calls the authorities because she's not sure what's going on with him, and so they decide to send out some people to look for him. And so there's a search party that's going through the woods looking for him, and they come across him, and he says, what are you doing? And they say, we're looking for a man who's lost, and he says, I'll help. (laughs) And so he starts helping them go through the woods looking for him. And so they're out there, and they're looking. I don't know how long they search. They search for a while, and eventually, one of the, the rescuers, one of the searchers that's next to him, yells out his name. When they do, he looks over and says, yes, I'm here. And the this, this search party person pulls them aside and says, we're looking for you. <laughs> like, you're who we're looking for. And he didn't realize it. He didn't know it until he heard someone calling his name. And then all of a sudden, something changed. I can't help but think that for the prodigal, for the the lost son, we don't know his name. I call him Prodigal Pete in my head, right? I can't help but go that there's not this point when he literally just says to himself, Pete, have you ever called yourself by name? (laughs) Pete, what are you doing? You can come home. Which if you're in that spot, there's probably some questions you're asking. Like if you're, if you're the one who's far from home, one of the questions you're probably asking is, do I wanna come home? <laughs> do I even wanna come home? Like everything that I left back there? Is that really even something I wanna go back to? Because let's just be honest, when you read the story of the prodigal son, and last week we looked at the character of the older brother, do you remember that? Was the older brother someone you would want to hang out with? In fact, there's a good chance that oftentimes the reason the younger sons leave home is because of the influence of the older sons in their lives. True or false? Sometimes you look at going back home and you go, do I have to go back to that? Do I have to go back to them? Do I have to go back to the place where I got hurt? Do I have to go back to the people that are going to judge me? Do I have to go back to that church and the things that happened there. Like, and for some of us, we know the Father is calling us. He's calling us by name. Here's something interesting about that story about the Turkish guy. The rescuer pulled him aside, said to him, you're who we're looking for. And when they all figured it out that it was him, he said to the authorities, he goes, oh, please, 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 don't tell my family. The guy's 50 years old. He says, don't tell my family. My father's going to kill me. (laughs) He was scared to go home. And some of us may find ourselves in places at times where we know where we should be. We're just not sure if that's where we want to be. And what's powerful about this story is that the father really says to this son, if if you get the big picture here, he says to the younger son, don't worry about everybody else. The relationship is between you and me. And I'll make everything else right. I'm calling you home Because at the end of that story, the younger son is with the father. Who's the one that's still outside? (laughs) It's the older brother. So look, in these moments, when you ask those questions, do I even really want to come home? Remember that it's the father who's saying, I'm here and I'm waiting. Which leads us to the second question. The second one is, can I really come home? Not just do I want to come home, but some of you are saying, well, can I, can I really come home? I mean, these are cool stories, Chad, and I, I can see where it's, it's probably good preaching, and it's probably really good. I hope our kids hear these stories, like the story of the lost son. It's good for a kid to know that they can always come home, but a kid hasn't done what I've done. <laughs> like, after what I've done, things I've said, the way I acted, the way I literally turned my back on God. Can I really come home? Go back to the story, Luke chapter 15 verse 20. It's hard to imagine in that day and time any way for a son to reject and offend and betray his father more than this kid did. And it said that he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, before he could preach his sermon, before he could get a job, before he could clean things up, before he could make things right, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. That's a pretty good welcome home, is it not? And the son said to him, he had a practiced speech, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But before he could get any father, the father says to him, stop, 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 stop. Don't talk. And he looks at the servants and he says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. And we've looked at what all that's meant the last couple of weeks. Here's this, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. And he was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Look, these stories are told together so that you will know no matter how or why you wandered off, no matter what you think you've done to yourself or your story, there is a father who is searching for you, who values you, and is waiting for you. He is watching for you to come home. He is longing for you to come back to him. Look, I don't know where you're at or who kind of needs to hear that, but that's such an important thing because we will talk ourselves out of those things. And we're in this weird season of time where things are just not what they used to be for so many of us. In this room, watching online, it's been a weird couple of years, hasn't it? And in these years, there have been all these things that have become distractions, they've become wedges that have kept us from church, they have kept us from God's people, and for many of us, they've kept us from God. And there's things in our lives that may be as recent as last night or maybe it was a process that started two years ago, maybe it started 10 years ago, that we look at ourselves and we just go, I don't know, can I come back to church? Can I come to God? And he is waiting for you and saying, you can come home. And it starts with a moment. So many of us have had it. I've had it. You know, want to be honest? Probably like most of you, I've had it multiple times in my life where I just sit there and I say to myself, Chad, what have you done? How how did you end up in this place? And you start thinking about your regrets and you start thinking about your mistakes and you start hearing the voice of a thief who says to you, you could never come back home. And can I'm telling you that those are lies and deception, and there is a father who says to you, "You can come home." Well, you're a pastor. Of course you'd say that. And why don't you talk to my friend who when he was in prison, heard the voice of his father, and he came back home? You can talk to my friend about the night that he pulled up to a pay phone at a gas station and called his parents. And said, can I come home? And that's when the life change started. You you can talk to a lady I know who made decisions that she's not proud of with consequences she didn't expect. But when she came to Jesus and said, God, I need you to do something in my life, he not only welcomed her home, but he transformed her life. It's the child who decided, you know what? I I can't do this drug life anymore. Something's got to change. And Jesus set him free. It's the guy who at the very same moment had to ask his wife and his God for forgiveness and grace. And that brought some powerful restoration, not just to his life, but to his marriage and to his family and to years of God doing something powerful through their lives. It's a story of people who have been far from God and far from church and far from home and when they heard their voice being called were willing to say, God, I will take those steps and I will come back home and it has brought life change over and over and over again and I can put names to those stories and I can tell you those things and I can tell you today that the story that God wants to put a name to today is yours because you can come home. Last question you might be asking yourself, then how do I do it? How do I come home? Do I need to get everything right first? Do I need to clean it all up? Do I need to make sure people aren't mad at me? Do I I have to kind of pave the way? Jesus told us very clearly. Do you remember how many stories were in this chapter? Anybody remember? (laughs) Three. And at the end of the first one, he says this, Luke chapter 15, verse 7. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. He says, look, heaven celebrates when someone does what? <laughs> when they repent. Verse, verse 10 says the same thing at the end of the coin story. He says, in the same way I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who, what? <laughs> repent. And we hear that word repent or repentance. It's kind of one of those 50-cent you know, theological words that we throw out there. But what it really means is, is basically just to turn around. It's a change in your mind and your heart and your direction where you say, the way I was going I don't want to go that way anymore. And we don't need to make it any more complicated than that. When you hear Jesus calling your name and letting you know that you can come home, it's simply turning to him and saying, I want to come home. Think of who's calling your name. Jesus told this story. He told these three stories so you would know from him that he's searching for you. How could he be searching for me after what I've done to him? That he values you. How could he value me after? And that he's saying you can come home. And you say, but I turned my back on him. Well, when you turned your back, he opened his arms. When you slammed that door shut, he opened it wide. And he is calling to some of you in this room, watching online, seeing this on television, he is calling you today to let you know that you can come home. Here, here's one more story about a lost person. It just happened in the last week. Mount Elbert is the highest point in the Rockies. It's not that hard of a hike actually, like you don't need special equipment, it's strenuous and it's long, but it's just about you know any, any healthy person can, can do it and this, this dude did it recently, he was by himself, He checked into this camp or wherever like where you check in, check out so they kind of know where you're at. So he was there and he says, I'm gonna go hiking. So he checks out and he goes up on this trail and somehow with the snow and unfamiliarity like he doesn't make it back that night kind of wanders off the trail, not exactly sure you know, kind of where he is. Well, the people where he's staying, when he doesn't come back after it's gotten dark, they call the authorities and they just say, look, this guy never came back. We're we're not sure where he's at. We know where he was going and we're just kind of concerned about him. Well, they send out a search party that goes out till about 3 a.m. and then goes back home, goes back out again at 7 a.m. Well, the story is that this guy did get separated. He did get lost, made his way back to the trailhead, worked his way back down and eventually after kind of some hit or miss and trial and error, he eventually found his car. And when they're out searching for him at seven, he shows back up at the campsite at 930 that morning. People were really, really angry at him because even though it's a high peak, your phone works on Mount Albert. And so the whole time he's out wandering around, the authorities who are the ones that do know he's out there, none of his family or friends know, but the authorities do, they're calling him on his phone. But every time his phone rang, he saw a number come up that he didn't know, so he didn't answer, because he thought it was telemarketers. (laughs) You can imagine how upset people were, the story there. It's not that no one was calling, it's that he was ignoring it, because he thought he knew better. Jesus is calling to some of you today. And I don't know what voice in your head tells you that you know better, that maybe it's not you, that maybe you don't have to respond, that maybe you're okay, but he is clearly calling you by name and he is saying to you, you can come home. And it's as simple as saying, Jesus, that's what I need. I need your forgiveness in my life. And he says, he'll be your savior and forgive you. Saying, I need your purpose in my life and he's your living Lord and he can change you. He can change our hearts if we will simply look to him. You are being invited to come home. So here's what we're gonna do In, in just a moment. Worship team's gonna come back. They're gonna lead us again, just a little bit of that song that we just sang about the heart of the father. And I know it's not everybody, but I'm confident that there is somebody who's watching online, there's somebody who's seeing this on television. And I'm pretty confident there's, there's people in this room that you know for whatever reason, God is calling to you today, and you don't wanna walk out without doing something about it. So in just a moment, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond. And I'm gonna ask you to step out of your seat, and I'm gonna ask you to make a walk and come and stand down here at the front and say, Jesus, I'm coming home. You're going to do what? Like you want, you want me to walk where? Why would you do that? To embarrass me? No, I think, I think this is really important. Because when you step out of your seat and you make that walk, you do it for you. And you, you say to yourself, today's the day that's a turning point. Today's the day that something changed and I came home. And you do it for God. Because sometimes that step of faith is so powerful. I think oftentimes if you wanna see something spiritual happen in your life, it requires a physical response. You have to put yourself in a place and say, I'm not playing around anymore, i mean business. God, I'm coming home. And can I tell you when you do it, you do it for the rest of us. Because we want to celebrate with you, we want to stand with you, and we want you to know more than anything else, Jesus is welcoming you home. So can you stand with me today? And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. And when I pray, there's going to be a couple things that are going to happen. One, as soon as I say amen, if you need to make that walk today, I'm going to encourage you to just step out of your seat. I know for some of you, it's going to be an act of courage. For some of you, you may need to pack a lunch. It's a little long coming down here. But just take that step and walk down this way. The second thing that's going to happen as you take that walk is I'm going to invite the people that are next to you to just kind of turn to one another and say, look, if you need to make that walk, if you need to come home today, I'll go with you. You don't have to do it on your own. You're not by yourself in this. We are celebrating what Jesus is doing in people's lives. So we'll start singing. I'm gonna ask you to just kind of turn to the person next to you. If you're watching online and you're with somebody, just, just kind of turn to them and just say, hey, do you need to come home? If you're watching online and you need to respond, just, just do that in some way if you need to raise a hand, if you need to kneel at your couch, if you just need to speak something out loud, but respond in some way. And then for those of us in our seats, as our friends begin to come, I think we should celebrate. I think we should clap. And just like heaven throws a party, I think we should as well. So I'm gonna pray. And if right now you know in your heart that Jesus is calling you you home, don't ignore it. But experience his love and grace today. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for these stories and we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray with the one that I know you're calling in this moment. Lord, would you help them not to miss this, not to ignore this, but would you fill them with the faith and the courage to respond and to say today's a turning point. Today, I'm gonna come home. Lord, we thank you for your love. Thank you that your heart calls to each one of us. Lord, thanks that you take what's broken and you make it whole in our lives. And so we respond and we give this to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need to respond, would you step out of your seat and would you come as we I sing this
1: song together? Of the cross, the forgiveness was. I was lost, now I'm found. You have called me your own. All my gifts and mistakes we'
0: church we I should celebrate as our friends come I'll today fly. come on down find Good a place to stand here old. praise God
1: let's celebrate together awesome on the, the cross. cross with
0: today. So if you're watching on TV or watching online, just stay with us because in a moment we're going to pray together. I want to talk down here to everybody that made that walk that is not an easy walk to make and just let you know, I'm proud of you. This church is proud of you. We celebrate what God is doing in your heart. It is no mistake that you are here today. It is not an accident that you heard this because you've been prayed for. Like in this moment is specifically a moment. Why is this important? You know what I saw this morning was the sunrise and it was beautiful. I love it that his mercies are new every morning. And there is a beautiful sunrise that is happening in some of your lives today where God is saying something new starts today between you and him and in what he wants to do in your life. And that's beautiful, isn't it? So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna gonna lead us in a prayer. And when I, when, I, when I say the words of this prayer, they're just words, right? But they're words that I'm gonna ask you from your heart to speak to God as well. And so when we say these words, you, you and I are gonna say them. And then the folks in this room who love Jesus are gonna say them with us, right? And the folks that today are saying online and on TV, I need to make a change. They're gonna say them with us. And they're not magic words, but they're words that allow you to express out of your heart, God, today's the day where something new starts between you and me where a relationship starts that's different or that's more or that's fresh. It's a sunrise in my faith today, God, and I can't wait to see what you're gonna do. So will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus that you loved me so much that you would send your son to die for my sin. I ask today that you forgive my sin and be my savior I give my life to you, my risen Lord. Thank you that you've searched for me. Thank you that you value me. I am coming home to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's celebrate what God does in our lives. So a couple of things before I pray for you real quick. One, if you're watching online, there's a link in the comments that you can click. Or if you're watching on television, go out to our website to littlecalvary.org and it just says Jesus there. You click there. We would love to know what God's doing in your heart and give you some insight, some help into how you can follow him. If you're watching live right now, we have, and it's in the comments, there's a Zoom group that you can go to right after this service. We have friends that are there, members of our team that are there that would love to pray with you and talk with you about the decision that you've made going forward. Today, if you're here at the front, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Don't just kind of whoosh, slip right out. That's the easy thing to do. Whoosh, just, I'm coming home, I'm going home, right? That's kind of how we do it. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do instead stop by the New Here area. We would love the opportunity to pray with you. If you don't have a Bible that you can easily read and understand, we wanna put one in your hands. And can I tell you this? The worst thing you can do today is to make that walk or make that decision and then just kinda get in your car and you know grab some food going home and then not tell anybody. Like if today God did something in your heart, don't let the day go by without you telling somebody what Jesus did how he makes a difference in our lives because that just, that cements it, that makes it real. He wants to work that. He wants to do that in your lives and do something special and that's new. And we as a church want to partner and celebrate with you in that. Before we go, can I pray with you? So Father, thank you for your word. Jesus, I need it simple, so thanks for your stories. That reminds me that when I'm lost, you search for me. And when I even don't value myself, you place such value on me. And Lord, that when there are those moments that you call our name, just like you have today for so many, it's so good to know that we can come home. So Lord, when the thief and the enemy comes to my friends and tells them that what happened today wasn't real, or says to them that you really don't care, or that somehow faith doesn't matter, God, would you, in Jesus' name, remind them of their worth, their value, that you love them so much that you died for them, and that what happens today would be a sunrise in their faith that starts something new and beautiful in their relationship and life with you. God, thanks for the work you do in our hearts. Lord, we thank you for this service, this time together. Now as we go, will you go with us? Send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody say together, amen, amen. One more time, let's celebrate what God has done. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. So.